0: Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the War Movie Review Podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We join the Dawn Patrol this week with Jean Renoir's 1937 epic, The Grand Illusion. As always, I'm joined by Mike B. Yeah, yeah.
1: And Nate. I will never make fun of you messing up the intro after last week. <laughs> I, had point, to I had a point I had point to Mike and say pronounce this for me because it just I'm not even going to try. But anyway,
0: guys, you know, what did you think?
2: A lot better than So, you've been talking about this forever. This is one of and the French movies I talk about a lot, yeah. Yes. Oh, this was. And I was going stuff. into it. Yeah, yeah. And and you 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 always boast about it and like how great it is and everything. And I actually No, you he does. No, he does. I know. So let's be I'm just here waiting here. For, let's for the I'm, I'm
1: waiting for the the other shoot-to-fall though.
2: Well, no, it's not because I'm 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 building him up right now right. before I crush him. Right. Um so, no, it actually uh I was like, "Oh fuck, it's two hours!" Oh my god, it's a black and white film, but it has sound made before nineteen forty, right? Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" But it's still two hours. Um, I found myself not really like thinking about the two hour mark. It was like it went, it went smoothly. It went um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: it went. Uh, it was. It was very. It flowed very well and it was it made the time go by really quick because it was so well done there was some funny things in the editing that we can get to and we should I'll write that down but um as far as the acting and the actual story and like the plot very good
1: so Nate what about you um well it was interesting i had a little bit more i had a technical difficulty i was battling it was like kind of like a rubik's cube that fights back um i my subtitles wouldn't match wouldn't line up with the movie no matter how hard i tried it was always like a full 20 seconds ahead of what i was watching so after about like an hour and a half of trying to fix that i said fuck it and so i just like so <laughs> watched it and so like i'd read the conversation and then I'd be like, okay, in about 20 seconds, what I just read will happen. So then I have to contextualize it with that. So I like I had an extra level of difficulty, but I liked it. Um it was very interesting. Can
2: I yeah. Nate, can I can I please interrupt you and like just <laughs> tell whatever. me how I'm gonna fix that? When you're talking no, when you're no 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 when you're talking about the subtitles not lining up. So I clicked on a subtitle um file uh-huh. when I first started watching this. Yeah.
1: That's what I it did was too. not the
2: correct subtitle file. It was not the correct. It was from a previous film that we had watched called "Waltz with Bashir," <laughs> and so at the yeah, beginning, that's a big difference. I hear twenty-six dogs or thirty dogs. How do you know it was? How do you know it was thirty or how do you know it was twenty-six? And I'm like, what the fuck? And like, but, but here's the thing: is they lined up in the first like scene right. when they're at the little the little cafe, <laughs> right. like the the, the officers, cafe. and I'm like. Well, this is weird. Like, what? This is really weird language. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, we rounded up all these guys when we were in Palestine. And I'm like, (laughs) at the beginning of the war, we were in Palestine. And it was the captain scene, like, when they first introduced the captain. And I'm like, at
1: the dinner table. What the the, fuck? Yeah. 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 (laughs) And
2: I'm like, how was he? Why was a Frenchman in Palestine? At the beginning of the war. And all of a sudden, then it started to, like, disconnect. Right, yeah. And it was not, it was not lined up. But until then, it lined up, (laughs) the subtitle file lined up perfectly. And I'm like, oh, so I have to go back and watch the first five minutes of this film. (laughs) And I'm like, hopefully there's a fucking subtitle file that's actually for this film. And there was. Right. But it was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, like, subtitles were a problem for both of us.
1: Mine, my own error. My own dipshittery. Yeah. Yours... I just didn't like I, I, I just don't know what it was and I, it's not like and someone will be like oh, just download a new file. I downloaded four of them. I think it yeah. was my my Plex player just not wanting to do stuff, but it was um no, I mean like apart from that like like it, it was it was good. I mean, it's 1937. I mean, again, put it in the same like black and white box and judge it from that thing and um no I, I I really liked it um it was interesting i i I again I was struggling with the subtitles so my attention wasn't quite on par but I mean it was it was it was definitely different it's not the normal format I will say but I'm very curious to see what Brian has to say about because for me it was like okay, it's before nineteen 19- 65 so it's a certain format so just you know it is what it is but i'm just curious to know what you think
0: it's an interesting movie i mean i saw it a long time ago and i didn't realize how much of it i forgot like all i really remembered was oh french officers trying to escape from pw camp It was really cool and there was a german officer with a jaw like fucking harness like that's what i really remembered from it and like you know over the ensuing years since i saw it probably 15 years ago i've randomly heard about it or recommended you know in this that yeah you know, thing it always had good you know um, blessings or, or well wishes with it, um, and watching it again, yeah, it definitely delivered. And uh, I remembered parts, and I didn't remember other parts. But no, it's it's just really good on, for multiple reasons. Um, but just to sum it up, I think it's the, the really, really good bookend to the original All Quiet on the Western Front. I really feel like those two movies kind of encapsulate the world war one experience. If you're going to watch two pre-war films about, you know, pre-world war two, that is films about the first world war. These, those are the two to watch. Um, Cause they're very, you know, humanizing films. Um, that's what I forgot about this movie, which I really liked. How it really just goes to show, you know, people in situations. Um, I loved how there's just so many interesting ways that they included characters like the first time you see one of the British officers, he's stomping on his watch. It's like, Oh, you want my watch? Fuck you. Yeah. And that's the guy later on. That's, you know, in full drag and he's singing, you know, <laughs> Les Miserables and everything. And, um, I love how they introduced the the Russian officers, you know, just, that it was very cool. These, it was amazing, subtle filmography or, you know, cinematography and stuff. It was really cool. And it's just, it's really interesting how they solve certain problems. Um, like, you know, when they're in the, the beginning, when they're in the French airport, and they're like, okay, we're going to leave, and they go walk out, and then a German pilot walks in. I love that, you know, because in reality, they couldn't afford to show any dogfights or planes or anything like that. So what's a neat yeah. trick? You do that, and it works. It works so well. Like well, It's you know, also
2: understood. It's like you
0: don't like, – Yeah, yeah like exactly. Said, like yep. if you do that today, people would be like, it's, I can't understand it because you have to walk fucking people through plots today. Nobody can jump to Mm -hmm. conclusions or think to things, but
2: well, they they still walked through it. But it was like it was it's in such a way that like yeah, us you know, ninety years later can realize that yeah, okay, a dogfight happened. There was a fight in the air. This is the guy that did it, whatever, because he's because of what he's saying. His the writing is good. Yep. So
0: and I love. I almost like want to get one made. I love the French sign in the French bar (laughs) about alcohol. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that was really great for those that don't know. It went, uh, you know, alcohol here is forbidden, it makes you insane. The unit commander drinks, (laughs) yeah, right, right, right,
2: (laughs) right. So well
0: done. I, I,
1: I do think that that I want to know what that neck thing I've never seen that neck thing ever, like ever in my life. I think it was just a a period, I think it
0: was just a period medical device because he said his his spine was German, officer, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly what Brian because said. Because yeah. his what? spine was broken. Oh, okay. He mentioned his spine <clears throat> is oh.
0: broken and that he wears white gloves because he's got burns over his whole body. You know, for oh, Pilots, I you, missed that. Either either you and that must and have been through the subtitle
1: battle that I missed that. Okay. You crashed and burned. Yep. Okay. Like, you yeah. Know. It,
2: dude, if you didn't have subtitles mm. for this, and you don't it's speak hard. German or
1: French, yeah. I Well, like, you, like, there's no way. Again, it was like like, I think I compared it to fighting a Rubik's Cube. It's like, yeah. Every the, every time the, yeah, I think yeah, I have a yeah, grapple, on, right. it's like I gotta pay attention and then remember what happened. Okay. What was said twenty seconds ago, and then watch it. No, it's yeah. not a
2: big deal. Like it happens.
1: Well, so, like it, yeah, um, it was. Yeah. I, I was gonna say though that I need something like that for my snoring. I think my wife would want that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but there were so many creative ways of filmmaking in this. Like, you know, if you think of subtly, what they were doing. Like, how the guy had his arm injured, the pilot in the crash, or, or he was actually the photographer, I believe. Um, and then, you know, slowly he loses. His no, cast. You say he was the pilot, by the way. Oh, okay, he was the pilot. So, like, yeah. over time, you know, oh, he loses, you know, he, he, he heals. So, you, you know, the period of time has passed. And then with the whole Verdun mm-hmm. thing, and there's just a few other little things they did to, you know, to show that time was passing. I thought that was really cool. Cause it, that can be very hard to do with, with films, you know, like look at The Shining. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. How do you tell progression of time or show progression of time? And I think they really did a really good job with that. And also, you know, while I'm there, like how close the, the guards got, the Germans and, and the prisoners, because there's very yeah, time not when, uncommon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think of Die Hard first. Helsinki syndrome, Helsinki <laughs> Sweden. You know, <laughs> well they weren't they were, they <laughs> were Stockholm syndrome. Were, like, I was, so I, like, was gonna, yeah. I was no, gonna I was gonna say but,
1: Helsinki Sweden, as in Helsinki Sweden. Yeah, Finland. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's just you know the holidays so I just watched. So I
0: thought of that, but yeah, you know, because like the scene where the guy goes in and he's like, hey, "Here's some cigarettes. Here's a harmonica. And he's, I just want to hear French. I just want to, you know, like love that line. Yep, such a powerful scene. And the guy's like literally trying to be compassionate. Like you know, like,
1: well. I, I um, I do think though the year it being made is very relevant to. I think probably how good you find the little details, Brian, are. I really think that that has a huge thing to play with it, you know,
0: That's, Twenty twenty five, twenty
1: five 25, years after, you know, this is when, you know, take.
0: French Noir was really at its early peak before the war, because it's very interesting. I mean, if you, if you like study cameras and things and stuff, you know, like the 20s and 30s was very experimental and the Russians and the French were really the first people to take cameras off tripods and play with them and do crazy shit. So, it, you know, you get these really incredible films. The Germans as well, actually. They had a lot of crazy things in the 20s, like Dr. Mabus's cabinet and that bullshit. But um, so, yeah, you get these really crazy films at during this time, you know, where just you have all these different ways of doing things that you just don't usually see later on. And it's just, you know, cool to see those aspects. It's just that yeah. pre-war thing. This is like what would lead up to, you know, like Gone with the Wind. And that style of like, you know, huge showcase stories and things. And also, it's something neat to show the times. At one point, the guy was like, Oh, I'm an actor, you know. He's like, Oh, the theater's, you know, too much for me. And he's talking about theater, you know, plays and things like that. Where today, if someone says they're an actor, what do you think of? Oh, you're in movies, you know? So it's interesting that, like, you know, that time was just different. There's, it just, through and through this film just shows that it's set. In the late teens in Europe, you know, there's nothing that pulls you out of that, even though it was 20 years later.
2: Well, also, another another really interesting thing is, like, they never actually say what year it is, right? They just, just with the Verdun thing, they allude to it. Right. Well, that's the thing is, like, I found that very interesting because, like, I had to go and, like, I'm like, yeah, Duomo, that fort that they kept trying to capture, recapture outside of Verdun, that was in 1916, So it's like, okay, but that was in, like, early, like, it started in February, and it ended in, like, May-ish, and then there was still some battles, obviously, but, like, so that's when this film takes place without actually saying it, and that's what I loved about that, is, like, they don't ever say, oh, you know, um, wherever the hell we are in Germany or France, 1916. It just, it is. You know, it is what it is, and if you know, you know. So, that was that was actually a pretty cool thing. I thought
0: exactly. You know, they keep playing with that the time is an illusion, and that you know things yes. don't matter and things. It's just which I love too because they keep showing like, you know, the fact that the war is going to end soon is the illusion, but the fact that you're going to escape is the grand illusion. So that's like the whole play in the actual thing. Was it? You know, I believe so. Was yeah. It?
2: because there's no clear answer given in my opinion to what is the grand illusion cuz there's so many you know what i mean like i know they're in they're in a pw camp i get that but like it's the only reason i actually like this film a lot is cuz they never actually say what is the grand illusion and i think personally like my interpretation of this cuz everybody interprets art differently is my interpretation is the grand illusion is war in itself. And they thought it was going to be over soon. The Germans thought it was going to be over soon and it's not. And they also did allude to that quite a bit during this film. And I appreciate that, but like that doesn't mean that, that that's the grand illusion of the film. Like, so again, you think it's one thing. I think it's another. That's what I love about actual
0: art. Exactly. You know, it's better. it's, individual interpretations and i could see how you know you could see that but i I really feel like again opinions are like assholes but that you know the illusion of things will get better i think we can we can draw it down to that you know the the things will will be quick end, and also we can get out of here yeah we can get out of here and besides you know random colonial battles that are because you're conquering someplace over multiple years you know traditionally battles have a season you know it's like they used to say that in afghanistan it's the fighting season because everyone goes home in the winter you know, and traditionally, fighting was like that. Okay, your country's going to war. You go to the battlefield, the field where we have the battle. The battle happens. There's a victor, or a decisive thing that leads to the next big battle. You know, 100, 200 mm-hmm. miles away, and then and this part of the army marches
2: in, in and and takes yeah.
0: over, and then mm-hmm. that part of the army goes back home. Exactly. Yep. And that's how it was right. fought. But World War One yep. just turned into this meat grinder of just like yep. going a back, you no know, going forward, and hell at the front. So, you know, it just turned into this horrible thing. But you still had this gentleman, Napoleonic era style of officer, you know, like gentlemanly core. And that's, this you know, movie really hits a chord with. Well, and and especially with pilots.
2: So with pilots Mm -hmm. in the first world war, um, they were regarded in such high esteem, like every country um, that I can think of. I don't know. Maybe there's an exception, but like, From everybody that I've researched, if they, if there was a pilot that was shot down and they had recovered them alive, they were treated like they were in this film, like one of their own, but like, yeah, you're a prisoner, but you're still, you're an esteemed human being. And that was something that I thought it did pretty fucking well, because... Really, no other films was really good. They're like, oh, you're a pilot. Oh, you're going to be shut down and dragged, you know, by whatever. No, no, no. It wasn't like that. Pilots, like, I don't know what it was. It was like, it was a combination of the old aristocracy and the old way of doing things and the honor and the the kind of, chival- not chivalry, but like um, the, the kind of like just respect thing that they go, oh, you have the balls to put yourself in that fucking thing flying above the battlefield. Okay. And you're an officer. Because you notice how they said, if their officers bring them here, if they're not, whatever. Exactly. And there there, there were NCOs and like enlisted guys that flew planes. And so that's, yeah, if you're an officer
0: and you're flying a plane, well, let's dine. I think that, you know, some people know this, but not everyone does. But, you know, flyers in the First World War, regardless of their nationality, were the knights or the cowboys like or yeah. the, they were the superstars of the era like to the point where even after the yep. war um they used to have like you know baseball cards were a very big thing um starting mm-hmm. a, in the teens and the 20s they also had warbird cards where you know you would get a, a card you know if you bought gum or something gum was very commonly sold cards back in the day um you get like you know uh world war one flyer like eddie rickenbacker or you know um the Red Baron or something. And they had a whole mm-hmm. series of cards. And my grandfather actually collected them in the 20s and 30s. And we still have about 200 of them that he collected in the Bronx. But it's just, you know, that was in the culture. That's how big these guys were. You know, and that's yeah. why after the war, you have all these films that emphasize the fighting in the air. Like Hell's Angels, Wings. Wings is a silent film that won the first Oscar for Best Picture. And it's a one film about, you know, death in the air over Europe in the First World War. So yeah, the pilots had this Chivalristic, you know the last nights the last you know yeah just uh higher whatever order a, a fighter you know and that did exist for a little while in the second world war especially with the german pow camp system how like the Luftwaffe, of mm-hmm. the german air force would try to have their own you know pow camps for other flyers and the conditions Correct. usually were, were a lot better there like when we talked about i think we talked about this and when we did stalingrad 17 or stalag seventeen. Stalag, yeah, yeah, because you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, they had the uh, the different camps, and they were all in you know thirty in seventeen.
1: Once. They invaded again, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, and also Hogan's Heroes, they touch on that. They were in a luftwaffe controlled camp. Hell yeah. All those, all those German guys were, uh, <laughs> you know, in the luftwaffe. So, but yeah, it, it's interesting. But I know what you mean, though. It's not today. It's the oh my god the you know Viet Cong are gonna draw drag you out of the swamp by your fucking eyelids and that you're they're gonna they're gonna burn you in the streets of uh you know uh, Ramadi because you got shot down or something. It's Real. a much different very different view very different po- you know I'd say post World War II. Like, you know, like devotion is a perfect example of that. That story where um it movie just came out it's about um two Navy flyers during the the chosen reservoir and how one guy, basically his plane got shot up and he had to land. Uh, and the other guy decided to land as well, you know, and he crash landed his plane and they were able to get through it together. The first guy ended up dying, but still, you know, it's the wingman code. It's just, you know, you, you're going to always risk yourself for that guy. And he's always going to risk yourself for you. It's like even today with, with Top Gun and bullshit, like all that uh, all applies into that, like, you know, a bit of that chivalristic, like, you know, we there's only so many of us in the sky, whatever. Well, um, but
2: like World War One, it was even
0: more so. Oh, no. Yeah. That's what it began. It was like, it, began, yeah, it, was like
2: but, it was insane. It was like you're an officer, but you're also willing to do that. Like I said, but like and a um, gentleman,
1: I'm going to put myself in the sky in a matchbox. Correct. Worse <laughs> than that. Correct. That's, Worse than that. A fucking a Tinder box. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: And those French those, if you look at the French design, I think they were in FE2s, which is the, the pusher observer planes. And they were horrible. The pusher really, I was about to say really
1: you beat me to it. Really bad. I was debating whether I was yeah. gonna say um, that. Yeah. There was a
0: really, really cool uh video game called Rise of Flight that was like <laughs> a World War One flight simulator that was like insane. It took like an hour to take off. But once you did eventually get in the air, it's like literally had the best simulated world war one combat ever <laughs> fucking insane
2: yeah so like you know whichever plane they were in um they got shot down by this german pilot which we also don't know what plane he flew
0: probably a Fokker dr1 could have
1: a been <laughs> <laughs> uh, no uh, what
0: probably a 7 or, or a 14 what? those are the more common ones the ones were pretty rare in 16 well, though what was
1: the plane yeah okay what was the plane model name Fokker. Brian said Fokker. like fucking, yeah, Fokker. Meet, Like, meet the I say Focker.
2: Fuck- Brian's from New England. It's a Focker.
1: Fucking shit. meet the Fockers. It's a Focker, yeah. Fokka. Meet the Focker. Yeah, see so the Focker. Like, uh, the fucking Focker. I, f- I flew that Focker over there. You
0: ever hear the RAF joke? It, it circulates a lot. No. So there was this RAF pilot in the 70s, and he was going around to schools and talking about how he fought in the Battle of Britain, and I believe he flew hurricanes. So he was talking about this one time where I was coming in hot. Hi, these two fuckers on my ass and I had to get out of there. And the teacher goes, Oh no, he, he actually means fuckers like the German planes. And the pilot looks at her and goes, yes, that is true. But these are two fuckers. (laughs) And then he like goes through the whole thing (laughs)
1: and, and everything. So I yeah. think I did read that somewhere posted it somewhere. Pops up a lot. It, yeah, it was yeah, like, a, but it's it's it was like a funny. A, it was a like news cleaning. thing, Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very very quaint funny story. <laughs> I love it.
0: But you know, shit like
1: that. It's uh, yeah.
2: But yeah, So dr three is the triplane, and then the I took
1: my colostomy DR... bag, covered them in shite, and said, "Get out of that fucker, you fucker, get out."
2: <laughs> the dr eight was the the monoplane because I've actually seen one that was in real life. That was the album smelled. No. No. The D R eight was the fucking mono it's a mono yeah. like, it's it's but it was a, a rotary engine that ran on fucking castor oil as a lube. Most of them did. That's why they had the scarves. Well, and also they couldn't figure out why their pilots would like land and like I had to shit fucking <laughs> Immediately, now.
1: Immediately, yeah.
0: <laughs> like I I'm sick, I'm gonna throw up. I have to shit. Cars like, well, had the same problem because they used castor oil too at the very beginning. And do you do you like? Do you know the scarf thing? No.
1: Of it. So you, I mean, oh, I mean, so I, knew, I, that, I mean, I know why that. I knew that was the reason why they wore it. But.
0: So, while the reason that they had long scarves wasn't because they wanted to look dashing, it was because these fucking planes leaked oil like a sieve, and the oil makes you shit, like Mike just you know alluded to. So, what yeah. they would do is they would have these big scarves and they'd wrap them up around their heads, and as they would get you know soiled with oil, they would let the, them out. So mm-hmm. the longer they flew, the longer the scarf would go because they would let uh, the loop of the scarf out. So that's the whole okay. scarf thing in the First World War. It was basically a sense. way so that you would stop the oil from getting into your you know, nostrils and eyes. They said I think it was 90 minutes to two hours was the max for fuel and also yeah. for shit range. <laughs> because, With know, the like, fucking DR8, the yeah. one that I, I've actually seen in real life,
2: mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was cut shit. all those numbers of like 30 minutes, whatever, in like – a quarter. Mm-hmm. It was faster. It was louder. It was but it was a lot faster. This fucking thing is really fast. Oh, yeah. Compared to the DR3 and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, dude, your pilot's gonna fucking die. <laughs> yep. Like your pilot's gonna shit his brains out in the fucking <laughs> cockpit <laughs> and and like throw up and like he's gonna die. Like, but they actually they they made I don't know how many they made of the dr eight. Um, but like that many thing is it's very small numbers like no, the German tanks and I actually get to see one and I actually got to see one crash which is fun um, no he's okay like and the plane was like he's like oh it's about 10,000 he lost two toes damage, he's
0: good to go You yeah. know,
2: 10 grand worth of damage on this fucking plane but like no they're small but like that rotary engine when it was like because the DR8 was like okay so the DR3 like the, the triplane that we think of right like the big fucker like the Red Baron flew.
0: that's a big it's plane it's
1: called a Fokker
0: depending where you come from sorry 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 <laughs> thanks Nate thanks Nate thanks, no this one was a fucker
2: so the DRA the engine is literally right in front of the fucking pilot
0: mm-hmm. like
2: I mean like the the top quarter is right in front So the the well it might be the same on the DR3 and all that shit but like dude we were standing behind the thing when it fired up and I was like, in my mouth, I could taste the castor oil. Oh, and I'm like... I
0: already started this shit. No yeah. Oh,
2: fuck. Say. And I'm like, this is fucked. <laughs> and then, yeah, the guy... But, like, dude, a DRA... Like, anyway, it's getting off topic. But, anyway, planes back then, it was still, like... It had to take fucking massive balls. Because if somebody else doesn't shoot you down, you're probably going to go down from some
0: malfunction or something or whatever. So it's, like, massive balls... Yeah. It's like, you know, you're on the fringe of technology where a bicycle mechanic and a glider pilot said, I have an idea yes. that I think <laughs> might work.
1: Maybe. Yep. The guy who t- made a bike with big wheels designed, you know? Yeah. like and, and, and it, it is and a no
2: problem, also. We're going to attach a machine gun it, to it. Actually, we're going to do two machine guns to it. And, and it'll be all right, the weight and everything. We've got to calculate it, calculated, but, you know, it is what it is.
1: <laughs> i i i do i do find it very impressive because I, was, I don't know what how i remember this but i had watched it somewhere and i never had realized that the machine gun was attached to like behind the prop and it would shoot between the prop road rotation well, well there was
2: there was a device that came well at first there there wasn't well, and i mean correct yeah.
1: to me i so, mean i know i'm probably wrong it's just you're, i you're i, your I, I know are correct. Of, of of a system like that i'm sure they changed yes. it or made it better i was just blown away that, that was even an idea
0: like yes this is where i don't want to overstep mike's knowledge because he knows way more about the first world than i do but i have read a little bit about rick Tovin and things and i have a really awesome book that it shows every single kill who he killed what where it was so I, I I've studied a little bit. So as far as my understanding of this, I know that you know Mike can add on to or, or tell me I'm I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I if I'm adding or or I'm just interjecting shit, you know. But I do know a little bit on it. So um, for the other part of the war, they were planes were really observation pieces, and then they were like, "Oh, look at that fucking guy with Maltese crosses on! I got a rock, you know, or whatever." Like it literally did start out with that happening, and then with observation planes and stuff. You know, you really only had an observer who would sometimes be armed with a rifle, you know. Nope, and that was not, for more survival stuff. You know, that really wasn't to shoot at planes. But then it turned into it. And slowly throughout the fall of 1914, they started arming planes more and more and more. And then they started putting machine guns on them and stuff. And, yes, Nathan, in the very beginning, they did mount um, machine guns on planes behind the props. But they had no provision at all to stop the bullets from shooting through the props. And that became a really big problem they actually would put armor plates on the um, back of the props to try to deflect it. And that became even a bigger problem. Some countries and some designs, like this, I think the SPAD, they had a design where they had a Vickers machine gun on top of the wing and where you would basically pull pull it back, put a new drum in, and then push it up so that you wouldn't have to worry about bullets arcing through the prop itself. Hmm. And it wasn't until, I think, 1916 that there was a, a Dutchman I want to say Spitzer, but I think that's wrong. But a Dutch guy with the name of S, he came up with an interrupter system where basically there was a rod that was connected to the firing device on the machine guns, and it would run to a plate that was mounted on the flywheel of the uh, rotor, and wherever a machine gun, or wherever there was a prop blade would come up, it had a little, um, like, a nudge or, like, a little... I'm getting the word wrong. had, like, a little um, depression... Mm -hmm. tooth yeah or your tooth and it basically you know would just go bop 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 bop, so that whenever you know it was in line it would stop from shooting and that is what stopped them from shooting through propellers because it was a really big problem like you could well they also had to go Mm -hmm. with the ballistics of the fucking bullet of like the Mm -hmm. the the speed
2: that it was gonna be traveling from this point to that point and so like yeah they they engineered that rod which is very impressive, and they actually use the, I, I cannot remember either, I know it's an S, but like. Yeah, something. It, it's something, but like that. Spiegelheim. Was, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Spiegelheim. Spiegelheim. No, Schlickman. <laughs> Schlickman, yeah. Schlickman. <laughs> Schlickman.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But uh, no, so that that was the device but that actually
0: most
1: people hmm oh, okay.
0: Not very Dutch, yeah. but I'll go. With it. Yeah, Don yeah. Schlickman, yeah, our, our Dutch, our Dutch engineer buddy. Yeah,
1: our Dutch. But you spent yeah, a lot correct. of time in the
0: Far East too.
2: Yeah. But anyway, you're correct on that part of it. Like the, the the device that like did that, but and that still baffles the shit out of me and a lot of other people. It's, it's like fascinating. So it's like that that propeller is going at I don't know 800 900 rounds per minute, right? Just constant, and then to like do the math to like get that accurate, where you're not going to shoot a... And they're wooden props, by the way. Yeah, People are listening. They're wooden props. Um, they're propellers. And it's like, that's fucking awesome. But it worked very well. Now, where you were wrong is when they first started using planes, yes, it was for rec- reconnaissance. Mostly. They didn't start issuing guys with rifles because they were like, well, you're just going to fly this, and also rifles added weight. And so that was their, their mentality at this point, right? But it started to become like guys were flying next to each other, like, uh, say, a French and a German or an Austro-Hungarian and an Italian um, fighter or recon plane were flying beside each other. They'd be like, well, if that fucker sees my position, we're fucked and vice versa. And so they started like literally taking their sidearms and they would start shooting at each other when they would get really close. And then it escalated and then they would take, you know, grenades, hand grenades, and they'd try and throw at the planes. And then they were like, well, if we get low enough and we can drop a grenade on the target while there, then bombs started to be produced. Okay, well, all right, go, let it go. Bam, drop a bomb on the trench, bam, you've got five, six guys out of the fight. Cool, if you hit your target. And the rifle thing—it a rifle is very unwieldy and and not useful at all in the air. And so, from my knowledge, they did not issue rifles to pilots and co-pilots in the First World War, like of like fighter and reconnaissance planes, zeppelins, blimps, all that shit. Yes, perhaps.
0: I. But, yeah. No, finish your thought.
2: But as far as fighters, it started out as literally guys just shooting pistols and. Then they started dropping bombs, and they're like, well, we can actually put machine guns on this thing so you can shoot down the enemy recon plane, and you can do your recon, and then we're good. This was all, and this is all like 19, 1915 as well. So this is later than 14. It started in 14 with the guys, like, shooting at each other with pistols and shit. And they were like, oh, okay, fuck, whatever. 15, it started, of course, just like everything in the First World War, it started escalating. And it's yeah. like,
0: yeah, like like we talked about in our, you know, Christmas special that, you know, yep. um, it really wasn't until January, the spring of 15, where people were set in the mindset of a war and where things, you know, began like that, because even in the east, like, you know, Rick Tovin doesn't get his first kills until mid 1915 on the eastern front. So like, you know, the, again, that's even on over yep. there, it starts heating up. But yeah, you know, it's very interesting. That's how it kind of all got fleshed out. And um, I know observer planes, they did have rifles. Because there are photos of them. And I only say that because I know that the Fliegergewehrs, the automatic flying rifles of the First World War, are, have very heavily influenced the German oh, shit. designs after correct. the war. And then there was also an American 03 that had a box magazine that was yeah, designed Yeah, the, the Pedersen device. Or the no, no, air well, service device. The, the air, air service, service device. Yeah. Yep. And, and it did, device. It, they don't have, like, a forearm. They look really cool. So that was later
2: on. Yeah. I yeah. bet. You, you are correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. You are correct. I, I, I misspoke. Um, at this point mm-hmm. in the war, they would not have rifles, yeah. to my knowledge, mm-hmm. but later on they started doing that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, It's yeah. the
0: war as a whole and I, and I forgot to contextualize it, but, um, so That's all good. yeah. And it, you also, and, uh, so that, what I was saying, but yeah, so CN and arsenal has a really cool video about the, uh, the air service rifle. You guys should mm-hmm. check that out. If you haven't heard of them, also check them out. They're fucking awesome. Um, really good gun videos and stuff. And just, you know, Thias, what yeah, he, he about. he's, oh. he's a good guy. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, he knows his I, shit. Yep. You always see them walking around show shows or stuff like the big military shows and stuff. And it's just like, you know, the real collectors, the real, the real, you know, they love this stuff. They don't do it to make videos. So check them out. Um, now I'm over the plug. But yeah, then they also had a really cool French rifle, uh, Berthier, that uh, was an air service rifle. It had like a show show magazine on the bottom.
2: Yep. But, yep. Yep.
0: And uh, yep. those are fucking cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that was very late war, though. And that was oh, Yeah. Like- and, and I know, escalated I know so things much.
0: have been called – I know they've been called survival rifles too, which I could see because the Luftwaffe in the Second World War, they even had a drilling. A drilling is a shotgun that has a rifle caliber barrel as well, a third barrel, a um, double barrel. Mm, yes. And uh, the Luftwaffe yes. had a drilling during the Second World War for survival. And there's some, there's some great photos of guys in North Africa loading them into BF-110s and Stukas and stuff, you know, because like, <laughs> well, you get shot down, you you want to have something nope. better than a better yeah. than 9 millimeter, so – um, yeah, I, I, I definitely misspoke. But, like, no for this
2: point in the war, I don't think they would have had rifles. No. In 16? No. They might have started later in the year, but, like, yeah.
0: And it was cool, it's, too, to talk about the other real aspect of the movie, you know, the whole P.O.W. part of it. Right, You know, right. right. And with the fact that the Germans did have P.O.W. camps for people that escaped too much. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was very interesting. Now, I've read um, the book, the original book, um, The Great Escape, which is amazing. I recommend to anybody. Mm-hmm. The book is way better than the movie. Not that the movie's bad. is bad. The movie's amazing. But just the – it really – the book goes into more detail of the actual events. And it's just like, holy fuck, you know, how these guys figure the escape so the out. The books are always like 99% of the time better well, than the movie. yeah, but, but you just get like – I'm just not saying like they left this out of, out of the movie. What the fuck? It's like – they left this so you, bit of you can't information. Put that's like, into uh, a movie. Though. Oh, that's the Thing is, like, you can't. But what's interesting is that so in Watch the me. in the book, they talk about all the stuff they came up with, you know, to like get rid of the dirt and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just very interesting to me that this movie, because again, it's the same exact problem but a different war, shows the exact ways that they came up with in a film two years before the start of the war. So I wonder if there was an influence there. If someone saw something that, oh, well, what about, you know, because uh, this is very interesting how, like, you know. In the
2: Grand Illusion, they they dispose of the dirt by taking it through bags and and, and camouflaging it in the gardens. And they're British
0: and they're French and they're American officers. Who, at least the Europeans would be cultured and probably would have seen military era or your 30s era films from the continent, as they would say. So like, you know, it's just, I thought that was very interesting.
2: So I'm like, I I was thinking about that too. That's a great point. Yeah. 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 And I hope there was because I'm glad those guys got out. I'm, it sucks that they got shot, but the guys that escaped knew that that was a possibility and no, if it, if it helped yep. If it, if it helped those guys get out by just watching the film, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. You know, and it's, yeah, it's very, it's very, because, Okay. They were doing the tunneling, right? And they go, okay. That was really we have, cool. <laughs> we have this system going on for like, well, you know, for if we suff if I if I'm starting to suffocate, I'm gonna pull this string. Blah blah. A little bit of a tension moment. But like, um and also they kind of supported the walls with wood, but they really didn't. Like it was very obvious when you took the first like dig, it was like <clears throat> shit fell, and I'm like, oh god, that's not good. Um but they're like, yeah, so we have a breathing system in here. Um, this gets air into there, and it also signals, blah, blah, blah. And so it's like it's very rudimentary, but it's the right idea of if you're going to be tunneling. And, yeah,
0: so who knows if it did influence those people. I love the cup scene. I thought that was really well done, and it's so French noir. You Which know? cup scene? Where he's like, uh, he's passing out in the tunnel and he goes, to, he yeah. pulls the pulls and it falls on a pillow. It's like, oh, fucking, yes, it falls like, on a pillow. That's yeah. so French Noir. That's why like I said. It's like, that's, it's like uh, very, it's,
2: it builds tension because you're like. Yeah. And that, um, that's
0: where the, what's really cool because the cinematography comes in. Because like the one guy is pacing the room. Yep. He, he always has the like with, with the beard and stuff. And he's like, he goes to look up and you think, and he's like, he's going to see it. And then he, then the door opens him. and he's like, what? He's just And it's like, right? oh, yep. fucking. Yep. It's just, it's so well shot. And there's the so one many guy, times. The yep. guy that
2: comes in,
0: yeah, from going to the shitter
2: goes, the signal.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: He's the only one because everybody else is so distracted. Yep. By, you know, you what's noise going on outside, or... you know, and he's like, oh, and they pull him up just in time and, you know, get him fixated on like life, mm-hmm. you know, instead of dying. But uh, cognac
0: will regenerate every man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and then when he's like, more, and he's just, like, I mean, that's a traumatic thing. He's going to have a headache, too. Like, you pass out for that long, you're going to have a fucking damage. massive headache. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. And, it, and um, and I, while we're on that, too, it was cool, with like, the little colloquialisms where, like, you know, they all talked about different parts of Paris, you know, and it's like yeah, exactly. how the and higher. The
2: Germans did.
0: Yeah. Like, the higher, arist- you know, aristocracy, they were, like, talking about yep. the really ritzy places, and the other guys were talking about the, and then later yeah. on. Like an hour later into the yep. film, they get to the the castle and everything. And they're like, Have you heard of the Maxim Gun? And the one guy's like, Oh, I like the bar better. And the other guy's like, Hey, you were making fun of me for that a year ago. Like, this right. is, it's like that was the longest setup, but it worked. It panned out so well. You know, it was the funny little stupid shit. Um, and also, yeah, exactly. I'm on it as well. So the castle thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the World War I iteration of this, but I know for a fact that during the Second World War, there was a castle named Coldlitz that they kept most of the finicky British officers at. And they still tried to escape it all the time. And there was one story, a guy built a glider in the attic and he was going to fly it out of there and shit. And like all these crazy <laughs> stories, but they talk a lot about like, you know, the things that went on in this camp, in this movie, like, you know, it happened in real life, guys dressing in drag, having those shows like that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just all the stupid camp life, making things for people, for plays and shows like the whole car sequence and stuff like that definitely is a thing. So, so did you notice um, anything about the guards? They're all so old. They're all real guys. guys. You also notice what they're wearing. Well, I was going to ask you about the uniforms. They looked really good to
2: me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously in black and white, but like um, um, how many Belgians did you notice? None. I'm
0: not sure. Okay.
2: Because it's in black and white. Because the French would have been wearing the horizon. Well, actually, yeah, in 16, they would have been wearing the horizon blue. The Belgians would have been wearing the khaki. And there was definitely several Belgians mm-hmm. in with the French. And
0: obviously, they're going to speak French. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So. That's interesting. I bet if you had the, the ear for it, you would notice that. Because you could hear the difference. But Correct. But we're not and, and I don't
2: have the ear for but it, of course. I, but I...
0: loved how Nashville, I Dude, I love how they show that there's Russians in the first camp. When the guy's yeah. like, you see, Russians like Latin. And it's like, because I was looking, I remember looking at the cat badge and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh fuck. That's right. Yeah, the
2: the the, the oval. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the scene when they got really pissed off, you know, because the whole they got the books instead of the caviar and stuff. That was great. <laughs> they're like, we it's gonna get pretty hairy in here. We
1: gotta A, go. Nate,
0: <laughs> Nate, uh, focus in on one of the guards
1: wearing I lo- the uh. Shaco. Yeah, I'm pulling up the I got I'm pulling up the Russian. Things, All right. and
0: the, the one was. Jamie, pull it up Jamie, pull it up <laughs> the one uh i'm telling you you know the french captain the i forget his name who gets killed yeah, yeah, know, yeah me the main too. i don't remember
2: names I, cannot ask me names
0: i just so. love his character for the whole film because he's he's that classic aristocracy of i'm in an event yes, but he this is. can't touch me you know i'm i'm witnessing this but He's in a different plane, if that makes sense. But he's know?
2: also a very, very fucking loyal. Yeah, but he's and but he's a down to earth, intelligent.
0: But he's got that. Okay, okay, okay. Right air. here, freeze this, yeah. Nate. Freeze this. Enlarge it. Who is the Belgian? Enhance the guy on the left. I'd say. Uh. Uh-uh. I don't know.
2: The guy in the back smoking the pipe, you know, has a tassel on his fucking. That's the, interesting. Cap? I was gonna. I thought I saw that on French stuff, but
0: the, he's a Belgian. Interesting.
2: He's a Belgian. Yep, huh. and he's also got his regiment number on the on his cap and on his uniform. That's cool. Yep, he's a Belgian.
0: And I like they had the one colonial officer as well. That was really yes, cool. yeah,
2: yeah. The black guy um, later on, and that's really accurate as well. Like mm-hmm. they would still treat him because of the rank as a officer, and they'd be like, yep. okay, whatever, go in, and you get to hang out with these guys, and whatever. But yeah, so there are Belgians. And also, you look at Hogan's Heroes a little bit. and Oh, you you're fucking right. Yeah, kinda I totally see that. It's, it's the same character, or not the same character, Holy but like shit. a very similar character, right? So they've also seen this. He's wearing a beret, huh. which is not a military issue beret
0: at that point. You know what? I like the scene, too. This is So for people that can't watch it, unfortunately, this is when um, he gets his package from home, the Rosenthal. Uh-huh. And I love how he's he's like, here you go, Mueller, have a have a chocolate bar. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. Yep, and he just fucks off. You know? yeah. The guard just fucks off. Yeah. Yep. You know? <laughs> he's like, whatever. Um yeah,
0: it's a little stuff. So
2: the Germans, uh, uh Nate can you Yeah,
1: uh, get it's a later, shot? it's later in the, the older
2: guys. No, 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 no it's not later. Of uh, the Germans, like the uh the the guys. The lib- the the I want to talk about the uniforms.
1: So okay. What? Uh, the that I love that scene. The guy
0: takes off his wig as he's like La Maserat, please. Yeah, they all like
1: take him off like hats. I did like that. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I really need to learn the fucking French national anthem.
1: I do too. Just just call Henry up. He does a great rendition. <laughs> well, yeah, Henry's a
2: fucking well versed son of a bitch. <laughs> I love that
1: intro of him. And his cousin him. Harry
2: is even better.
0: Yeah. But hey. I just um, noticed the pipe rack in the back. <laughs> How much oh, it's sign an excellent pipe is rack? That, that is excellent a very nice pipe, pipe, rack. pipe rack, you know. So yep. I judge um, Holmes.
2: So but I want to talk about the uh the German guards because they actually fucking nailed it. They had That's some so. cool
0: uh commission rifles I saw, M 88s Right, I do not you all
2: know them why had...
1: that was? Well, it was a
0: rear
2: line rifle. Hey, right. go back, Nate. Go it's, it's like at the beginning when they're doing their introduction. The is camp.
1: is, is it the introduction like in the in the in the like when they're all sitting around and they're like, here's how it's gonna be okay. in the camp. Okay. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. Um, um it's after this, it's right around here.
2: Yeah, so I just want to show Brian this a little bit, because you notice how there's pickle halbin
0: being worn, right? They like the their police shakos or well, these well, it's, it, not. well, you
1: have the bucket pale things. And then yeah, have well, the well, well, that's, well, that's a called a shako. Okay. That's, that's a different but, name,
2: but it's not a police shako.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so you got the you got the okay, right there, stop. So what do you notice, Brian, about the shako?
0: It's got the Maltese do? cross. Is that Imperial okay. Cross? Like, they are they, like, no. Imperial policemen, or...?
2: Nope. That is what's called the Landsturm. Uh. They were the guys that were 50 years of age or older or not fit for military service directly, but not crippled. And these guys were, like, the third or fourth line of defense hmm. for Germany. They were activated. By 1916, these guys had been definitely activated. And they were given the most shitty of equipment possible. Yeah, you have a rifle that you probably are not familiar with, or you were. They they actually issued seventy one eighty fours out. What is guys. that bayonet wow. above his
1: head? Because I'm looking so, at my I'm looking at my board knife thing, and it's not. So in same.
2: this scene, in this scene, yes, this is the kind of dumb shit that I noticed. In this scene, that's a fucking gra bayonet. No, it's not.
1: Yeah, I know it's not this though.
2: Yep, it's not that. It's not but in the next scene, it is. But yeah, but like so anyway, um these guys would have been issued eighty eights, seventy one eighty fours, uh Shasapo rifles, Berthier rifles, labelle rifles, fucking everything, most of the guns. They would have been issued all of that shit that was captured because it was third and fourth line down. See, like it's see were, it's there, yeah. it's there
1: in this scene. Yeah, right
2: there it's a yeah. yeah, it's a ninety eight oh five. Yeah, that's yeah, this one. That's for sure. this one right
1: here. I really, yep. I love that. I love all the little details. I love it
2: too.
0: The when I first up. saw
2: this, I was like, "Oh fuck, they actually got it right."
0: And for the '30s too, you know, because how easy because they they did cast exactly. a lot of young kids to play Germans because it was a German training camp,
2: you know. Right, but these old guys or yep. the guys that were not fit somehow for the military. The and only even, thing I would I, I would I would maybe bitch about is their ammo pouches. Those were the newer ones. They probably would have been issued the 1888 model, which is like just a oh, it looks yeah. like a medic pouch. Mm-hmm. Um, they maybe would have been issued those, but who knows? I just noticed the and, camp like,
0: commandant has the metal braid on his pickle helm as well, which is neat. Yeah, because he's an officer. Yep. Um, and um, also, so I wanted to ask you about this mic too, but I think it might be different. Mm-hmm. So I love in this shot where they, you know, have the they're getting told the rules of the camp and everything, all yeah. the different officer, all the different uniforms of the French officers and everybody else and to mm-hmm. me i was like oh you know maybe they are like you know captured at There's different times the
1: Russian, by the yeah
0: way. i love that uh maybe they're captured at different times during the war like 14 15 because we talked about a while ago that they're different style of uniforms but it seems to me like they're mixed between pilots with like a dark blue uniform and infantry officers with like a horizon blue uniform but well originally when i yeah. saw it i was like wow that's cool they have like the the different variations from when guys were captured because like you know they had the different units in the early part of the war the zouaves and everything so and also man like the French uniforms in
2: specific for the First World War are the most fucking egregiously non consistent mm-hmm. um, hide your goals so you're, yeah so this guy's got the iron blue on the 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 pilot mm-hmm. yeah that might have been what they wore in a certain unit they could have gotten the iron blue. Iron Blue was mainly worn by de d'Alepigny. I know I butchered that. I'm sorry if you're French. Alpine troops. I yeah. fucked that up. Yes, with the mountain troops. And maybe these guys. So it was a very hard dye to get and whatever. And so that's why in 1915, early 1915, they went to Horizon Blue. And they tried to issue everybody with Horizon Blue, even though the specialized troops were like, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. But like... Okay, and so this guy. Pause it. Pause it. So that guy right there. You got the guy on the left who's an, a French officer, right? Nice kepi, nice color insignia, nice private purchase. That is a workout. nice kepi.
0: I do have to say.
2: Fuck yeah! It's amazing. He's an officer, you
0: know. He's a flying officer I have, have kepi envy. That's for sure. So. It,
2: yeah. Do you?
0: Yeah. Do oh, do I, I do right bit. now.
2: So. Um, Artur, the Feldwebel right here, the guy that they constantly refer to, he's wearing a 1908 great coat, right? Because it's a single, single breasted fucking, you know, one row buttons. Also, he's got his rank on and he's an NCO. He's got the collar discs on and he's also wearing his oh, pickle, right. Habe, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't Without even notice the cover. discs. Yeah, the ah.
2: disc on his collar. That's yeah. an NCO. If you're a Gefreiter, you wear those discs, right? Mm-hmm. And then the um, shoulder boards come when you're, um, I, I think, I, I can't remember if it was Unterfeldwebel or Feldwebel in the First World War. But anyway, um, you get your shoulder boards, and you get your tressa on the collar, on that overcoat. But you still wear enlisted Pickelhaube, um, um, right? That's just an enlisted Prussian Pickelhaube. Fucking awesome! The guy in the background wearing the fucking uh, 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 shako—he's storm He's an old guy too. You can see that.
0: That's cool that you noticed all these, or you mentioned all these things. I noticed that you know put detail to it. That's cool. I, I had no, no they, idea they, really they had just well. on the tunic. Yeah. Well, that, yep. That, it's funny, you know, when you watch a really well made film, like especially yep. with historical authenticity, like you just don't even notice the uniforms. It's like there you know and it's not yeah, like exactly oh it's yes. a it's a world war ii movie with a plastic vietnam era canteen all oh, ruins it but it's like you know if you just have the right stuff for the right scenes it's like it just well it, almost, here, it removes an that, element that you're looking for from the we film, all want the right know?
2: stuff for the right scenes because this is how it looked yeah. right here yeah this is how it looked this is how it was and so, bam! It is what it is, and that's why and that's it's why, easy like,
1: to. Sorry, Mike, but, that, but that, that's why it's easy to pick out the bad stuff.
2: Yeah, it is. But like here, it's like I I I don't know French uniforms very well enough to criticize them. But I'd assume if they went along the same scale of the German uniforms, those would be good as well. And it's like this is. Here is the thing: is we want to portray something on screen okay, how it was, we're, we're portraying a real event or, you know, a fictional a fictional adaptation of a real event, well, make it look like it actually
0: would have been, this is it, right here. Not to, you know, plug all of any of our work, but I guess I am, um, and I was a helper. I will emphasize that till the end of time. Mike was the actual armorer and quartermaster and, you know, uh, I don't know what the right term would be, or, but, you know, wardrobe-ist for yeah, our world movie world. Um, But we went to the ninth degree to, you know, get shit like flat top canteens, which I probably, yep. none of you probably even know what a flat top canteen is, but it's a very early World War II plastic canteen top. Like, you know, if we didn't have any flat tops in the movie, would people care? Probably not. But it costs the same to get or a little more to get them. And they're in there and it just, it's what they had so it's what we had you know like it, it just going that little extra step just helps to put the emphasis well, and make like, it, yeah having period, having, having, having an assistant assistant BAR
2: gunner having a BAR belt something like that like yeah. we just want we just want to portray it how it actually was at that time when you're seeing this on film yeah that's the thing is like because when the visual part is done well the acting the writing and all that stuff Everything ties in, and it it actually becomes really, really good. It's
1: easier to mesh all those things together. mm -hmm.
0: And and even for the actors, too, I mean, you know, because if you really think about acting, and we won't Mm. go too hard at a tangent with this, but, like, you know, you're trying to convince yourself that you're experiencing a narrative as you convince other people. So, like, if you break down the realities that you're in as an actor, it's, like, three or four at the same time. Because you're this character in this yes. moment, but you're also projecting yourself in this angle to these people who are going to see it in a certain way. And it's, it's a lot to take into effect. So, again, if I'm telling you you're in World War I and I make you feel like you're in World War I, you're going to act like you're in World War I. And, I, well, again, it's funny. there's different yep. ranges to that. But, I mean, if, if I fucking give you gruel and putties to wear for six weeks, you're going to suck. If I give you Under Armour with socks – you know, that's going to be a totally different experience different. in a trailer. You know, like it's just making it as right as possible usually costs about the same. And it just adds this element to the production. And also, again, after the fact, we're like, if when you're constantly looking for stuff and you don't find it, like as a, as a historian, you can just enjoy the movie, you know? Right. It just exactly. takes this, it takes this because you, you're just like, where is it? 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 What, what, what? Oh, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like, <laughs> you know, it, and it's just, it makes it so oh, much yeah. easier, and I feel like it's even for people that aren't into this kind of stuff. It's like if it just looks right, it,
2: the acting it's right, is going to be, you know. But here's the thing: yeah. is like I want to touch on what you just said about like the actors because we'll just we'll just use it. one example, then we'll move on um, from the tangent. I guess is this guy's name is Felderbo Autor, right? We had Untrofetsir Autor on our set as an you know, as a character, as a character in our film. And when he put on that uniform, he said that it helped him a lot to get into that role. And I I can imagine, I don't know who actually uh, portrayed uh, Phil DeVille Artur in this film. I don't know the actor's name, but I'm sure because he's wearing the pickelhaube, the fucking mantle with the, everything's decked out, that put him in the role to portray this person this NCO, the way he did, and he did a great job. The acting is actually really good in this film, I thought, overall. And oh, yeah. and it's so that that's kind of the thing is like noticing these niche fucking details, these stupid details, I go, well, that actually helps the actors. It really does. Because I've asked them, does it help you? And they go, yeah, it does. If I know every fucking thing on my uniform is because of this, this, and this it helps it. And it's like, I can develop my character and I'm like, Oh, okay. Cause I thought, I thought it was just dumb me playing GI Joe in real life. Like, you know, we're all three of us are reenactors. It's like, yeah, you know, you could have fun and do all that shit, but it's like actors. When you put that shit on, them, you say, here's what this is. This is what this means. Um, here's your rank. Here's how you should be acting, blah, blah. blah. It helps them even before they step on set. And I think that it elicits a good performance.
0: So I, I couldn't agree more, you know, and I'll end it with this. A few years ago, when I was reactive reenacting, we went to this event in Ohio called D-Day Conneaut, where it's a really big reenactment for the, you know, D-Day landings in the States. They have like a huge beach landing and stuff over two days. Yeah. And yeah. Um, long story short, a, a buddy of mine really wanted to go. So I'm like, sure, come out with us. I'll give you everything head to toe. I'll give you a whole, all you have to do is put it on. And it was 100% correct, you know, first wave, uh, Big Red One, whatever, Omaha Beach, right? So he just puts it on. He's like, I'm wearing a uniform. I, I, this is cool. I'm a soldier. They Back then, before COVID, there was a lot more D-Day veterans that were around. And there was one guy that was a Big Red One veteran, first wave, Omaha Beach, and used to walk around and talk to people. And so my buddies, you know, like there at the event. And this, this first wave D-Day veteran looks up and down and goes, that's exactly what I wore when I assaulted the beach. My friend was like, holy fuck. He's like, I'm wearing what they told me to wear. Like, I, f- I don't know what this is called. He, he had no idea. He knew he had a grand and like an M1 helmet. That's all he knew about it. So, and to get a compliment from a guy that was actually there, fucking, you know, BRO first wave like was insane for him. For somebody that knows nothing about what he's wearing. So to right. extrapolate that for the actors and stuff, you know, when you have the real shit and when you have everything down to a yep. T, it's totally different you know and, cause, and they did this in this film mm-hmm. i thought and it it yeah. fucking shows it it just paints a picture you know cuz like i'm even i'm working on a horror film right now and we're talking about like you know they they're like in a touristy area and stuff and like how do you make the area look like they're different so like you know younger kids compared to an older local populace or things like that it's like the little things you do to set your narrative apart and that's what they did in this you know well, they were old guards during the war, so we have old guards now. But they had old guards with the correct uniforms, you know, and all this all yep. this niche shit that is just so awesome. And uh, just yep. adds the paint a good narrative. And again, I had no idea that they were wearing collar discs until you mentioned that. And now I fucking I can't not see them. And it's just yeah, there's so many details now. in it. Yeah, there's so many details in it. It's like the arrow in FedEx that you yeah, exactly, just can't exactly.
1: not, um I saw one yesterday and, and I started laughing. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: So there's one more thing I want to talk about, then I think we can yeah. move into our IMDb. Um, that's cool. So there's one shot that I loved that was like, holy shit, this is French noir from the 30s. And it's right at the end of the room inspection um, where the one guy runs in and warns them that, you know, they're going to get their room inspected. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring that up, Nate. For those that don't know, there's a scene where they it's, they arrive at the new camp and they're inspecting it. And uh, they're in this room and everything and whatever. They have some conversation and, and things, and it's interesting. But there's this great shot, long shot, where basically um, they hold and the Germans leave. And then the other POWs come in, and the shot refocuses from close to far. And it just focuses on the characters in the back as you have one character in the front just keep doing what he's doing. And it was just a very, very interesting transition with a long shot. For the era and stuff. And I just I was like, holy fuck when I saw it. Exi- it. Th- I didn't notice that this was a long shot. Like Yeah, yeah. this is one take, the whole thing. Which as we, we know from some experience, it can be very hard. Yep. So this next shot. So they talk. He sits down. Who I think he's a Belgian, isn't he? With his
1: hat. And he's got a tassel Yeah, he's got yeah. a tassel on. Yep.
0: yep. So yep, and then I love it how it go it just they stay with it. It's so easy to go to another shot for this scene. But they it is. they, yeah, stay, with this it. With, they with the, stay with, with the it. They
1: stay with it. The blurry guy in the in yes,
0: the I, and I love it. I love how they just they change the focus. Damn, that's all they do. You're right. And Damn, I just I, I was like, well, oh my god, I love this.
1: But but it's like it's like you can see everything that's happening, even though he's in the front of it. So
0: and then, but the, they they stay with it though, and they dolly, and then I just like, and this is the continuous shot. Like, I just love it. I really, when I saw this, I was like, this is fucking French filmmaking at its at its peak. It's Pinnacle before the war. And it's just I love that.
1: <laughs> and that then with the that,
0: Filmmaker in I, me is I'm like, gonna, I want to make it. You know? I'm gonna bring up from very early on
2: there <laughs> were a lot of really choppy fucking cuts.
0: Yeah, which is interesting. Like, and it just but it's like, to but the it was the show the time.
2: Was that intentional or was that was just
1: like nineteen thirties? Film
2: well, because a lot of them are they're mid they're mid they're like mid talking and then they just cut out and like yeah it's an awkward cutout you know what i mean
0: well i really feel like that was just a, a product of the time because today like when i do my writing I, I try to make things like puzzle pieces like you know i want everything to to mesh and work and i really spent a lot of time on transitions but back then it was just like
1: okay next scene you know like fucking, <laughs> there's not a yeah. lot taken into it it, um, it literally, is you do, the film. The film stopped being filmed, so that was the transition.
0: You do get a lot of ways they get around that. Like again, with the transition from for the air bases where you have they got shot down. It's the German side now. You know, like that's a great way to solve certain problems. But I don't know. I think it's just a product of the era, and that you know, filmmaking just wasn't exact as what we think. It wasn't as much as a precise. Right, they did their best that yeah. they
2: could in the editing room they're like oh shit so like maybe like right right as they were going to be cutting the scene somebody talked like a director or somebody talked and said something and they were just like yep fuck we got to just do
0: this this way back else. to one
2: like, yep so who knows
0: it, yeah it, it's interesting too you know and as i saw those those transitions and stuff i just thought to myself you know, there's some frenchman with like a two inch long ash off a cigarette, like in a projectionist room being like, fucking come on, Henry, you got to cut it right at the right point, you know, because again, right. back then it's all cut and taped to get filmed together. Oh, I know. I know. So, yeah, it's, you it's, know, it's, it's none of this
2: shit nowadays where it's in Premiere. Oh, yeah. Or, or yeah. fucking something, you know, more sophisticated. But like, it's like, no, it's back then. It's we got to work with what we have.
1: Windows Movie Maker.
0: <laughs> yeah right pro well yeah <laughs> think about this this is all analog this is all fucking yeah f- absolutely reactive film paper it's an illusion on a reactive paper that's all this is it's
2: a yeah. grand illusion
0: <laughs> on film paper uh, good work nate kudos to that IMFDB. so you yes swine. i think it's time to go to imftb if you noticed, there were some very interesting films in this or guns in this movie um, there were some very interesting films in this movie. Yes, well, there thank were. thank you. Yeah. So on IMFTB and uh, let's see. Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Uh, 1911. Good old two world wars. How
2: in the fuck did that? I, I literally stopped and went back a couple times during watching this to confirm
0: that was indeed 1911. And it <laughs> okay. is. I will that's, say. that's that's a very strange. Uh, we have to fix that. The caption on is. Screen used 1911 pistol carried and used Use. by Sam Elliott Sam <laughs> <and they were laughs> soldiers. So apparently, Sam Elliott's 1911 was used by a World War Two, World War One. 1937.
2: Uh, they ran Kamen the Dump. serial numbers. Yes. They ran the serial numbers, dude. Yep.
1: <laughs> Jesus, uh, it's, Proust. It's Vietnam. All right. Viet Vietnam Vietnam Vietnam. Oh wow!
0: Um, so. He actually pulls it. No, it's got a silver bolt. though. No, that, that that
2: was a that was a fucking different. I could not identify it's like a that. three
1: eighty or something. Yeah, yeah that's some, that's, some, that's yeah, not, a, not that's not a forty five. It's too small. That's like a thirty two. So this
2: IMFDB yeah. page needs work, just like a lot of them. That's like some kind of like yeah, like a nineteen oh three hammerless.
1: Well, hold on.
2: No, it's not a nineteen eleven. It's not a fucking
1: 1911. No, it's definitely not a 1911. No, I know. I know. I'm looking at the front of it. I'm trying to see that. It's definitely a Radom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> be <B's> V-35? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They stole one from the factory as they were making them. No, it's, oh, the FM on
2: 1900. Okay. That's, yeah. okay, that'll be there. It's the gun that started the war. <laughs> no, that's not. Um, It was a. Was it a 1910? No, it was a um No, it was something else. It was um Oh uh-huh. fuck, it was a 1903 something.
0: Oh, Hammerless? Yeah, or but it was, in, uh... was it, a... it was in
2: It was in 32. Was it a Colt? A Colt 1903. I don't, I don't... just <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Siri. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah.
1: Uh <sighs> Gavrillo Princeps pistol. There's no fucking way I could spell that or did you look it up? <sighs> Let me we just saw. look it up. Okay, because I don't know how to spell any of the a names. Hey, Siri. Yeah. Hey, hey I a got Siri. a question. Who assassinated who to get World War I? All right.
2: Okay, so it was a... Uh, FM model 1910. Okay, yeah. I
0: thought it was 1910. Which actually looks like what the fucking officer with the majors... Yeah. Hearing. Yeah, that, looks like a, that could be a 1910. Definitely not a 45 frame pistol. <sighs> no.
2: Halt. height
0: height yep. So, yep. the f or the mass mle 1892 yep. an mle 1892 very but that common. was an interesting scene all those guns on the table and stuff
2: yeah it's like yeah a lot of them are captured he had a uh, yeah. fucking uh tommy helmet like a yes DC-16. yeah
0: i saw that that was interesting. it had the rim
2: on it though so it wasn't accurate but hey oh yeah um wibbly mark six cool on the table yeah the 805 yep
0: now, this would be the modified ones you could use Spitzer rounds out of. Yep, and you could load it with a charger clip. And yep. It, yep. This is one gun I do not have I'd like to get for my collection because um, it does it does tell part of the Mauser story.
2: It's not a Mauser rifle at
0: all. Well, I, I mean like the, the German rifle story would be a better way to put it.
2: German rifle, yeah, I guess.
0: You know, like into the can. It's a story, Schlegelmilch
2: um, fucking rifle. It's not a Mauser at all. Like there was no, no, a no, no I know it was a
0: wrong word con- to use. But
2: controversy, yeah. um, because Mauser wanted the contract and this,
0: this, well, this is the whole the rifle that was basically made because of the LaBelle. They were like, oh shit, we have to figure this out.
2: Yeah, and they were like, just use 70... 78 or seventy one ninety four or seventy eight. Seventy-one eighty fours, and they're like, "No, it's outdated. Like it's fucked." So
0: they say it's an SG ninety-eight bayonet.
2: Yeah, a Sighting Gavert ninety-eight. That's what it is. Also, they would not be mounted on a fucking Gavert eighty-eight like that. They would also, yeah, it didn't work. Didn't work out like that.
0: Well, it's better than the like randomly modified fucking number fours that we saw in Death Watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so at
2: the end of this guy. So what's weird is. Uh, so go, go down to the guy, the next shot. So, yeah. These guys are not frontline troops in 1916. They're wearing the Stahlhelm. Not
0: fucking oh, likely. Oh, I did notice that. Yeah. Not that probably, fucking likely. Probably to make all. them different than all the other Germans who've yeah. seen the movie. Or maybe to maybe tell time. You put- like, you know, it's so late when they were escaping. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they remember but, a lot of times because they the did past. have that. Yeah, they did have the Strahlhelm you see with the kid that knocked on the window. I, l- I like that scene too.
2: Yeah, but it's he's like, marching to the front.
0: True. No, I know, but maybe again, that's just to show that we're later. So
2: the yeah, world. the way that okay. So if you got if you gotta get very eighty eight oh five, which is what they've got. Actually, the guys gotta get very eighty eight. That he's just shoulder in there. It doesn't have the magazine thing. Um, they're not gonna be wearing the Stahlhelm they were in a Pickelhaube or a feldmutza or it's like an AK 47 stick.
0: and an SHH36 doesn't go well together
2: right it's just it's it's a yeah they're they're rear line troops like they're not going to be having that oh the cover 98 oh no way was that in this film
0: <gasps> right yeah
2: this there. one i'm i'm joking oh, oh, yes, oh okay <laughs> obviously yeah
0: always nice that easy fucking spear yeah. Where the another, fuck was the AZ? Another gun I need for my collection. You mean the blur? Oh, come on. You mean the blur? I don't think the so. The blur,
2: whatever. Right. That's probably the a fucking Slot BZ24. cut and stock
0: and the stacking swivel. Yeah. It's too blurry for me to tell, but... Yeah, it's, it, it's possible. They're really reaching
2: on that one. They're reaching on that one. And again, Frontline Troops would have had that first. The yep. MG-08, yes, that was visible in the castle scene, for sure.
0: Yep. Yep. Do you know the Maxim so. gun? And you hear it fire at one point too. During the escape.
1: What? Xiao Xiao. Yep. Yep. I saw I that. I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw that. And again, oh. that's
2: actually that's actually fucking accurate. Again, his launch storm and he's using a captured weapon that they threw back into service for rear line troops.
0: I read somewhere that um, could be bullshit but apparently flamethrower crews like to use show shows German flamethrower crews because they were automatics maybe Dang, I mean, it's probably from one memoirs account or something but I just remember <laughs> that's, that's it? it that's all the page that's has it
1: well it's nice. it is a POW movie yeah style yeah. this? Like this short as well
2: um yeah overall I thought this film like because you talked it up so much I'm one of those guys where I'm just like if somebody else talks something up, I'm like, ah, I never want to see it or do it just because of whatever. Like, I guess it's the, I don't know what the hell it is, but you know what, you know what I mean? Like
1: Midwestern. The Mid- <laughs> <Westerners>. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, if somebody is talking her up, I ain't going to see her because you know, it means it's going to be twice as bad as what I initially thought it was going to be. But, um, <laughs> no, it's not like watching it. I didn't find it hard Day to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, y'all, yeah, why would you go and ahead me, and ask you about we my We think like that
0: over here in the coast, too, but I'm more just like, oh, that fucking kid can't paint rocks. What the fuck is he going to think about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Well,
2: I wasn't going to say it, you know, because I'm too nice for a Midwesterner.
1: Fuck. <laughs> well, that's um, just, you know... <laughs> kid can't paint rocks. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: Seriously. Seriously. <laughs>
1: I used this is, to, is no I used joke, Nathan. Kid, I used to know a kid who could not do that. <laughs> so
2: we're, we're getting a fucking, we're getting a fucking free, you know, blast of the past of Nathan's childhood. Uh, no, <laughs> of uh. a kid who can't paint rocks. No. That's lovely. No, that's re- that's real fucking. Like, that's, uh, that's lovely, Nathan. No. All right, were you the kid, Nathan? No. Just come out and
1: <laughs> no. No, I it. It's I'd, all good. I the sickest rocks, yo. Okay, I don't, they look like frogs. Yeah, yeah. I put
0: tiger stripe on them, motherfucker. <laughs> fucking nineties rocks.
1: Hit me my, up can uh,
2: see him.
0: Yeah, hit him up his yeah. SD page, Frogger. Frogger. Uh,
2: <laughs> dude, don't knock Frogger. Frogger 3D. What the fuck are we? We're going not, down that you know. fucking route now, dude. Battletoads is amazing.
1: Battletoads Battle is pretty sick. Bottle toads. I said, "Battle toads, you motherfucker." (laughs) Anyway, back to the movie. Don't throw rocks at me. I painted them. All right. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know why I commented that. You did
2: great. You put a speck of paint on them and you threw them the other way. Yeah, I'm fucking.
1: That's how you do (laughs) it.
2: These rocks I painted, son.
1: I painted these rocks in a very
2: specific pattern. And when you pick them up and you light them up in the right way, you'll know. You'll know the answer to everything. I just can't tell you that right now. You can't pay cherry no.
1: rocks red. Those are mine. You're a fake and a fraud.
2: Why are my rocks glowing?
1: <laughs> You're a fake and a fraud. The blue rocks are so for the
2: frogs gay. I'm telling you, I
1: swear on my
0: life. Yeah. yeah. No gay frogs Uh-oh. are harmed in the filming of this movie. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> no gay. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they... Oh my god! Your fucking little disclaimer there was
1: bullshit. I don't, but, um, I, don't, um, I don't know about that, man. They ripped those wigs off pretty fast.
0: <laughs> I don't even know where you were in your review. We're <laughs> so far off.
2: I, I I was somewhere in um. Yeah, Nate. Good luck.
0: <laughs> I just thought, good it luck. <laughs>
2: yeah. Jesus. Fucking Christ! So, Mike.
0: What'd you think of the movie? <laughs> okay. I know I talked yeah, it up no, a lot. And everything. We gotta
2: have Nate. We gotta have Nate just fucking cool his shit down. Dude, this is not gonna work. You can't do this. We're we're past the point of return. Um, you have to learn more than the first five. five I was gonna say it's, I, it's
1: not even the words. It's just the tone. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying.
2: <laughs> oh, all right. So, what the fuck did I think about this film? Um, oof. Uh, go ahead, Brian.
0: Oh, well, Okay. Um, yeah. No, there's a lot I could say about it. Is, you know, I like it and everything. Um, but uh, I was
2: asking you to like, pre- like prep me again. Like I was gonna start again. But go oh, for sure. It, oh no, I'll prep you. <clears throat> no, no worries. Because I had a fucking note. Please, 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 please no. go. Please go. No, I'm not. So we'll I... do you first. No, we'll do you we're first. Not to you. I'm about to prep no, you. No, 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 no. You three... interrupted
1: me. No, I can't. No. no. <laughs>
2: No, Brian, please, for the love of God,
0: <laughs> this is go first. I'd love to know what you think, dude. Just dry we're already okay, six right, feet okay, down. Let's all right, just go twelve. All right, all right, all right, let's all right, just go twelve. All
1: right, all right. So I mean, well, you know, Mike, I'd love to know your opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually. <you laughs> yeah, know, Mike, cool I'd love to, to know your there. opinion. So yeah. because people know that I have a biasness for this film. So <laughs>
2: we're now at eighteen feet below <laughs> ground. But I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and try this. Um yes, so overall, very good. Um, I thought even for 1937, again, I don't like black and white films because of the kind of shit we talked about earlier. Like I cannot, I cannot distinguish immediately between like French and Belgian uniforms and if flyers uniforms and the iron blue and all that shit. But given that it was very good, very well acted, very well written. I thought, and the Germans played Germans very well. Like they're very kind of uptight, tight assed, but they're not impossible. They're still people, you know, um, they played that very well and there's still a war going on. I like that. I, I really like that throughout the entire film of like, yes, you guys are officers. You guys are flyers or if you're not, whatever, but you're still officers, but Hey, you're playing by our rules, which is how it was. And it should be if you're a prisoner of war. Um, the uniforms, again, we've touched on that, but, like, very cool for me to, like... I was sitting there literally, like, watching this the first time with the Landstorm guys, and I'm like, holy shit, they have a Landstorm Shaco. Holy shit, he's got, a, he's got a fucking... I thought it was a 7184 with a side-mounted grab bayonet, but it was a Gewehr 88 with a side-mounted grab bayonet, and then it, the next scene, it was a S-98 or 05, like the Butcher Blade... And I'm like, what are we doing here? That doesn't work like that. But anyway, little details like that. I can definitely forgive when the overwhelming majority of it is really good, uh, with stupid shit like that. But anyway, it was, it was fucking awesome to see the in a film in a, in a role they were in and would have been in. And people are just gonna be like, Oh, it's just an iron cross. Or like, what, what did you say earlier, Brian? Like what, what kind of cross? Maltese, do you think cross. It was? Maltese cross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it might be the Maltese cross, but, like, who knows? But anyway, that's that's the, the equipment that the Landstorm would have had, and they would have had older shit, and been older guys, which they were. So it was a huge detail. As far as the acting and the plot and whatever, um, the end got a little slow for me, a little bit, but whatever that happens in most films that you see, at some point it's going to be a little bit slower. And for me, it was the end on this one, when they were you know, they had escaped those two guys and, you know, they were in the German house and whatever, it was like, okay, I get it. But like, and then, but it did leave, it did leave that, that that anticipation of what's going to happen. Are they going to get caught? Is she going to turn them in? And then all of a sudden at the end, whoo, happy ending. Overall, I'm going to give this a seven out of 10. So I would, I would recommend it for sure. I wouldn't have before I watched this because of, you know, reasons. Like, Brian was always like, oh, it's a great movie. And I'd be like, ah, it's a horseshit movie. But <laughs> no, it's a, it definitely a 7 out of 10. It had shortcomings, and because it's just older, and there's a lot of tropes and, like, weird older film shit in it, it's just I'm being a, I'm being a fucking brat. I'm being a spoiled brat. But 7 out of 10 is good for me, so please... If you're interested in something like this, watch it. Well worth the watch. Nathan, hmm. you fucked me. Time for me I to know. fuck you. <laughs> yep.
1: No, good recovery there. Um, no, I, I've been quiet tonight uh, because a lot of my interests, when it's not my historical interests, a lot of my interests is, is film, film and cinematography, and the editing wise, it's hard to comment on editing unless it's very spectacular on films pretty much like before like 1955 really because it's very bound to one style be due to technology and or the what makes the film at the time so it's hard for me to kind of talk about a lot in the in the moment in that sense and then also combine it with a with a you know a part of history i'm not as knowledgeable about like brian and mike so um so going into that, um, you know, it, it it from what I remember from French noir films, it's a slog from my college days, and I always kind of always has a stigma on my on my on myself watching films like this. But this one didn't bother me. Um, <clears throat> it was very, very interesting, uh, very well done. And going through some of the shots with Brian, like realizing things I wasn't really noticing, I will admit i was very distracted through this whole process because of my technology problem with the subtitles being a forward ahead a i was more reading and then trying to watch then trying to read and watch and you miss things so i th- i felt like i missed a couple things i'm gonna definitely have to go back and watch it but you know overall i mean i was really happy with what i was seeing and nothing historically that i know screamed at me um so yeah i i think i'm gonna give this like a seven out of ten screen mel gibson's but i think i'm actually gonna probably give it another watch once i figure out how to unfuck my system so uh, i can also
2: send you the subtitle file if you yeah that'd be good sub-
1: yeah because i i i found plex as a way of like downloading like a bunch and apparently none of them worked so yeah that'd be great
2: yeah i went i went sailing and it actually was fruitful so
1: gotcha yeah, no, I, I think seven out of ten for me and uh pass it off to Brian.
0: Nice. Yeah, no, very decent. <clears throat> so I think I've really beat this film to death, you know. Uh so what I could really add is that it's really an amazing film for its time. You know, late thirties. I was really looking at other things that were like it and there really isn't. I mean, um Gunga Din came out like two years later. Um that's the era we're talking here, you know, like uh, Alfred Hitchcock's very early work, the 39 steps and things like that. Like, it's just, it's really a gem for the late thirties. And it just, it really makes me sad because two years later, Europe was thrust into a war. And I know that a lot of these guys ended up fighting on some side of it. And, you know, they do this amazing job of making this humanitarian film right in the cusp of The Second World War, the Holocaust of Europe, you know, and um, it did such a good job of of showing what these guys went through right before they, some of them went through it again. So, you know, it's just very interesting to conceptualize the film like that. And um, it really is the bookend to the original, you know, All Quiet on the Western Front. And it's funny because, you know, we haven't done that one yet, the original. We did the Netflix one, so we'll eventually talk about it and stuff. But the original is interesting because, you know, there is a lot of overacting because it's silent actors that are trying to learn, you know, a new format and stuff. But this film has the benefit of being five years after that. So talkies were around. So I feel like one of the reasons that the acting is so good is because well people have had a lot of experience with sound and motion. So I really wonder how different All Quiet would have been if it was filmed in the later 30s like if our assumptions would have changed, you know? And also as I watched this, I thought about it again, also if that was in the correct languages, if it wasn't in English and how, you know, more powerful yeah. that would have been. Um, but no, it's just like, if you're going to watch any war films from before the second world war, I really feel like the grand illusion and um, what do you call it? Uh, All Quiet are the two best French ones, at least, or or Western front ones, because they really just they get into the nitty gritty of everything, you know, Um, like uh, Hell's Angels is cool. Don't get me wrong. It's very great. But it's a that's a real war film. You know, that's like, oh, fighting in the sky is crazy. But this film, you're just like, wow, you know, we're just uh, we're kind of just like the, you know, the Christmas special film, Two Weeks Noel. It's like we're kind of uh, just victims of our governments and everything. And we're just sent places to, to do things. And uh yeah. But I, um, I say
1: that I say that in the car. I like I walk out of the car. I did it the other day. I'm like Joe X, Noel.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's an interesting film. <laughs> and it's very uh it's very even sided too, you know? Yep. Cause you look at Strauss 1918 that came out in 35, <laughs> and then you look at this. Like, you know, which has the better message? So it's uh it's a very interesting movie made during incredibly turbulent times. I much would have thought something this would be make, made in the 20s versus the 30s, you know, like on the march to war. But um, so taking all that in consideration, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10, Um, mostly because I just I think it's really good. I think it's really good for its time. It really only loses points of it is a bit dated. Some of its you know shots and stuff like the transitions, like we talked about, and around the escape scene, it turns a bit theatrical. That was the only time where I was just like, the veil is being lifted. You know, like up to that point, a good ninety minutes into the movie, it's a long time to keep the illusion going. I was very enthralled. I was like, wow, this is you know, it's very hard to, to look away. But once that started happening, it was like, eh. you know, it's it, you're starting to pull me away. It just it dragged on a little too long. But um, no, it, it's a really good movie. And it holds up to the hype. If anybody has ever run into the hype around this film, you know, um, it's definitely worth a watch and a hundred percent worth a watch. If you're on a, you know, pre-war um, World War one film kick, you know, just uh, it just really, it's worth watching. So putting all of our scores into the computer that will tell us if we will escape from this German POW camp, we get a score of 7.6. So yeah, definitely worth a watch. And, you know, Maybe you'll get a higher score. Maybe you, you'll you have a lesser score, but it's really good film that holds up, you know, uh, fuck, uh, 85 years after it was made. So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. I, I'd much rather watch this than watch the new all quiet Western Front any day of the week. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, guys. You know, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We hope to see you guys next week when we look at 1898 The Last Men of the Philippines. So we'll be going back to the Spanish-American War. Um, So, yeah, hope to see you guys there.
2: Hey, everyone. Mike here. If you want to support the podcast even more than just listening to it, you can head to patreon.com slash scuttlebuttpodcast. There you get access to our Discord server, and you can be in direct contact with us and all the other fellow people who enjoy the podcast, get early access to episodes, and also you will have influence on future episodes we may or may not do. So it's well worth it. I appreciate you listening, and
0: we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out. We joined the Dawn Patrol and get shot down behind the trenches this week with Jean Renoirs. Oh, I to <laughs> it's, it's, it's Jean.
2: Jean.
0: R e n o i r French to it and Brian
2: just... So, what is it again? Jean what?
0: spell it out r-e-n-o-i-r-s renoir so what the fuck? just literally
2: <laughs> no like yeah i, I, I was thought out. i thought it'd be that yeah so. jean renoir
0: yep, yep. Jean, renoir. Ren, jean renoir's okay there you yep.
2: go that'll <laughs> work that'll work